Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Lopez wants it away. And it's a deep to left center. Andrew Jones on the run. This one has a chance. Go run! Mike Piazza and the Mets lead. Gentlemen, Mets fans of all ages, here is your host, Nick Durst. Hello, Mets fans. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in the Mets. I'm your host, Nick Durst, and the season is almost finally over. It's not great that they're not going to be going to the playoffs, of course, but the good news is we're closer to the offseason, and that's where the fun is really going to begin. Will Billy Epler and the Mets stick to their word to Max Scherzer and not be aggressive in free agency? Who knows? But they do have a new man in charge who's going to make a lot of decisions as far as that goes, and that is David Stearns. So joining me now in order to discuss David Stearns, you may have seen him on Picks 11, heard him on WFAN. Heard him on Rutgers pre and post game or seen him or heard him all over the place. He is one of the hardest working men in sports. The Moose, Mark Malusis Moose. Thank you to the show. Really excited to have you here. Curious, are you going to be at David Stern's introductory press conference? And if so, if you get the chance to ask him a question, what's the first thing that's going to be coming out of your mouth? Yeah, I would probably ask him about control. How much control does he have now taking over as president of baseball operations? Obviously, um, Cohen owns the team and it's Cohen's money. But, you know, what does that collaborative process look for the Mets? That would be that would be the issue, you know, and and then you can get into obviously the future of Buck and. You know, Billy Epler reportedly is going to remain as general manager. That's fine. But you would have to imagine a guy that the Mets waited for for a couple of years to bring over from the Milwaukee Brewers because he's been the apple of the eye of Steve Cohen now for the better part of 24 months that you would think uh, that he's coming in here with that, uh, you know, hefty long term deal that he's going to have uh, a lot of control within the organization. So he's kind of come in now. Like you said, he was highly coveted. You would think all the power would be his. I think it's really bizarre that Epler is secure and is going to be there. Maybe Epler's there because of his ties to Japan and all these Japanese players are going to be available here. For Stearns, do you think he's going to come in and kind of do a, a wait-and-see approach? Or is you think he's been watching this last year very closely as an advisor for the Brewers and he's going to go ahead and make some immediate changes right away in the offseason? Well, I, w- I would think that, you know, I, well – Number one, it, it depends on you came into the intro and, and talking about the offseason, you know, is is, you know, what they told Max Scherzer going to be correct. I think that's a really the million dollar question. Like, are you looking at it and saying, OK, the Mets going to be super aggressive in free agency? You know, there's a, a report that they're going to make the biggest offer to Shohei Otani. Is that necessarily the case? Um, you know, are they going to go make a play and try and trade for Juan Soto from the San Diego Padres or is this going to be kind of a, a an approach where they want to develop some of their younger players uh, and it's going to be two, three years out? There's still a massive issue when you're looking at this starting rotation outside of Kodai Senga. Uh, so they need to add some quality arms to that starting rotation. It's great going to be Edwin Diaz back. I think that's really the first question needs to be asked. What's the aggressiveness going to be? 
But I would have to believe, and I like Buck. I do. I don't think he's done a great job this year managing the team. I thought he did an unbelievable job last year. I don't think necessarily this team struggled because of Buck's managerial style, but I don't think he necessarily had one of his better years managing. With that, though, if I'm Stearns, if if I'm going to be given full autonomy, then I'm going to be given control, and I would have to believe I'd want to bring in a manager that is going to you know, carry out my vision within the dugout. Maybe his vision is Buck Showalter. Maybe they see eye to eye on everything here moving forward, and he remains. But uh, that that's an interesting conversation of where this team is. Are they a scenario where they're more aggressive than reported two, three months ago in free agency? If it's a wait-and-see approach, then do you bring in a manager that's more of a developmental guy? Buck has done that in the past, but clearly – um, you know, he's been around Major League Baseball for, for a long, long time. So to me, I think you should bring Buck back. What's the alternative? Is it really Eric Chavez? He hasn't proven as a bench coach this year that he's ready to be the manager. I know they're trying to maybe groom him, but the Mets situationally this year have taken a step back with Chavez going from hitting coach to bench coach. I think Glenn Sherlock did a good job last year. Now with Buck, though, you mentioned the rebuild. If he wants to take a, you know, the Knights are going to take a step back. I think he doesn't want to do that, but he'll say, yes, I'll stay on because of his age. He's not going to probably get another shot after this. So I think he'd be okay with waiting that out. As far as the connections with Stearns, everyone's saying, oh, well, Craig Council, he's going to be available. He's doing a great job with the Brewers. Well, he, he didn't hire him. So that doesn't necessarily mean because they both came from Milwaukee, he'd want to go there. I think if you're going to go into the the rebuild mode type of year, or let's develop the young guys, you're probably going to go with a first time manager again. We know how we know how great that's worked out for the Mets the past decade. But if they're going to go in that route, I guess you might as well bring back an all time great manager who never lost the game for the Mets, Carlos Beltran. Right. <laughs> well, right. Maybe you could. Maybe Carlos Beltran indeed does get another shot uh, to manage uh, a major league team. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting, you know, I really do. But I also think the impact, Nick, of of the major league manager has lessened over the last five to ten years because I think there's a lot of people at the table. Uh, There's a lot of men and women that are in baseball organizations that have a say when you're looking at how a roster is put together, how a pitcher is used. Not necessarily, you know, you're, you're, you know, calling down to the dugout in terms of what reliever to go into a matchup, but you know, managers are not given autonomy. You're not handed the the roster and say, hey, manage this team as as you see fit. No, that's that's no longer the case. We know that's no longer the case. So you got to be a, a manager now in Major League Baseball that work and, and plays well with others. Um, and you got to be into the collaborative process. You got to be into analytics. You got to be into all those things. I think there's a lot that needs to be answered after what was a disastrous season for the Mets and the amount of money that was spent. And I think they did the right thing not chasing their tail at the MLB trade deadline by, you know, using Cohen's greatest asset, which is his wealth to try and improve this Met farm system and pairing off guys like Scherzer, Verlander, Mark Canna, and, you know, and, and, and realizing that it wasn't going to work this year. Yeah. They got rid of Tommy Pham and he's in the news now because he's apparently talking about the Mets poor work ethic of course, across the season, this team, just didn't click this year. And it all started with that Verlander spring training injury and, of course, Diaz's injury. And going back to not getting Correa. I know Correa isn't having a great year, but look at the alternatives here. Escobar, he was terrible. Brett Beatty's batting 200. Vientos is batting 200. Are the Mets really going to go into next year with Vientos and Beatty again at third base? I don't, I don't, I don't know. If they're going to try to win, then they can't give us those guys and say, this is the roster. 
Well, but let me ask you, it depends, right? I mean, what exactly then do you do? Okay, so say if I have a scenario where Ronnie Mauricio is my second baseman, Lindor's at short, you know, the the stuff, you know, Alonzo's gonna be your first baseman. Yep. I think he's gonna be your first baseman for a long, long time. And I don't think Met fans are are bothered by that. The fact that he's hitting 45 home runs this year. You have Alvarez behind home plate, Nimmo in center field. You know, say you go out and, and make a trade for say a Juan Soto, and then you have McNeil playing some left. Sure. Or a McNeil, you know, so so say if you have Juan Soto and you plug him into right field, could you survive then? Yes. With you know you got, what need you to, need to fix the offense, you can't run back yeah. the same offense. For the no, no, I, I get it, I get it, but you can find some answers within. But you also have to add, I would probably tell you, and I'd agree with you, an impact bat. I mean, Alonzo, Lindor, and Nimmo are you know are a nice start. You like what you've seen here, even though he's run very, very hot and cold to the power with Francisco Alvarez behind home plate, and he has not been a disaster defensively either. Uh, I still think I've maintained. You know, even after what Epler told Scherzer to get him to agree to a deal to the Texas Rangers, uh, Steve Cohen's not here to sit on his hands. Uh, you know, he wants to win. Uh, he set that three to five year window to try and win a World Series. He swung for the fences this year. It didn't work. You know what? They admitted their mistake and they moved on. I still think this organization is going to be aggressive this offseason. And that's why I think David Stearns was so interested in getting here aside from the fact he's a local and, and everything that come history with the organization was there under Omar Minaya 16 years ago has had success with the Milwaukee Brewers is the opportunity now to be in a major market here in New York, trying to deliver a world series title for the first time since 86. And you're working for the richest singular owner in all of major league baseball. There are a lot of positives when it comes along with that. Yeah. That's the Steve Cohen effect. And he impacts everything greatly with the money. Anybody would want to work here, I would think, because you get the money to spend. And if I'm a player, I profile free agent. Whether I heard that Steve Cohen doesn't want to spend about the offseason, the first thing I'm telling my agent to do is go ahead, call Billy Epler, call Stearns, or go go straight to Steve Cohen. We saw we saw Boris do that last year with Correa, and find out if if you're, if you're willing to pay. Obviously, Matt Chapman's available, and some other guys of that tier. Not necessarily the way I would say the Mets should go in that direction, but all these free agents are going to inquire and get the interest, and that's what you're going to see. And then the question, like we mentioned before, is Otani. Obviously, he's not going to pitch next year, so maybe that lessens his value. But if he's willing to come to the East Coast, I fully expect that Cohen's going to make an offer. And even if he's just a DH, that immensely improves the team offensively next oh, year. Oh, no doubt. I mean, let's – and I don't – you know, the, the, the quote-unquote elbow surgery that he had – um, and that he's not going to pitch until 2025. And we know that he suffered a UCL injury. Shohei Otani is an unbelievable, unbelievable, iconic baseball player. Um, you know, he's going to be the MVP of the American League. I don't care that the Angels didn't win. They didn't win with Mike Trout either. I mean, and that's not the way Major League Baseball works. This is not the NBA. There's not a case where one player can all of a sudden change the course and the context of a team. Uh, you need a lot of things to happen right for your team to go out there and win consistently in Major League Baseball. So I don't hold that. And now all the people that say that, I mean, they're just they don't know baseball and they don't watch it like you and I, Nick, on a day in, day out basis. Yeah, I would imagine not only the fact of how great of a player he is, um, he hits for average and power. Um, you know, it's not like he's hitting, you know, 185 and hitting bomb after bomb after bomb. Uh, but he's also unbelievably marketable. I, yep. You know, you think about the money that you're going to be able to make having Shohei Otani in your ballpark, 81 home dates. 
uh, the amount of people that are going to be drawn. Listen, Artie Moreno had the fear of death of pairing off Shohei Otani because he was like, it's going to greatly affect our home attendance with the Angels because people want to see, obviously, Shohei Otani. Yeah, I would imagine Cohen. I would imagine the Yankees who were interested in him before. You mentioned it, though, B. The big question, Nick, is I don't know. I have not seen it anywhere. Maybe someone has seen it. I haven't seen it anywhere. I don't know if he wants to play on the East Coast. He might be a guy that just wants to play out West. If he wants to just play out West, regardless of what the Yankees or the Mets offer or what Cohen offers, um, he's not going to come here. Yeah, I would say the Dodgers and the Padres should be considered the favorites. And we'll take it from there. But Kodai Senga, okay, he's been phenomenal this year. He's going to finish runner-up rookie of the year, most likely, to Corbin Carroll. He'll be top four in Cy Young. Is your wallet a little lighter than usual after the holiday season? Consider it money well spent because you deserve to live your best life, and the Chime Checking Account wants to help you live yours to the fullest. A little extra money goes a long way, which is why the Chime Checking Account has tons of benefits that millions of members love, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members, no monthly fees, and access to over 60,000 easy-to-find and fee-free ATMs. You even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit, all while managing your money on the go, including sending and receiving money fee-free with friends that aren't even on Chime. Sign up for Chime today for you and your wallet. Get started at Chime.com goals24. That's Chime.com goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from the payer. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. And now you're talking about the Mets offseason. Their top target is going to be Yamamoto from Japan. Yeah. So is there something here where, let's say you get both of these guys now, does that help or hurt your pursuit for Otani? Does he want to maybe play with his national team members? And now you're looking at a chance where you know, you always talk about the six-man rotation. Well, if you have three guys from Japan in 2025, you're probably going to have that six-man rotation because they're used to that. So do you think that has would that have any impact on the Otani sweepstakes? Yeah, great question. I have no idea. You know, great question, Nick. I'm not sure. I mean, maybe, you know, I I think it would probably help. I mean, a, a lot of people perceive it's going to help the, the Mets' pursuit of Yamamoto, the fact that he and Kodai Senga have the same agent, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and and – uh, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. Maybe it just comes down to the amount of money that's going to be offered. Uh, you know, I, I, I think it probably plays a role. I, I you know, I, I think you want to be around guys that you, you know, you like, you like right. playing with. Um, but I couldn't tell you one way or the other if it's significantly like if, if okay, so say if, say if he's okay to play it on the East Coast and, you know, Shohei Otani is looking at it and saying, well, I want to make the money, but I want to put myself in the best possible position to win. And the Dodgers have the same financial package that the Mets have, give or take. Does that mean he's going to come to the Mets or is he going to sign with the Dodgers? Because the Dodgers, even when, you know, they always find ways to win baseball games. So I I don't know if necessarily, I think think the fact that Kodai's here probably helps the Mets with Yamamoto. I don't know if necessarily that ends up being the kind of the cherry on the top and finalizes a deal for them to go get Shohei Otani. So for Senga, he's been sensational this year. I know you are well into the betting verse. Would you 
put up little bets on a future bet for Senga to potentially win the SAG next year? Do you think there's a sophomore slump or regression, or do you think he's going to be better? No, I think he's good. I mean, I I think the only thing with Senga has been, which was the concern when scouts looked at him coming over from Japan, was, you know, adjusting to pitching every fifth day. And we've seen that be an issue at times during the regular season. The other one was control. You know, the ghost fork is an unbelievable pitch. I mean, it just is. And he's had some lights out performances this year. So if you're asking me, okay, is this kind of like a, a flash in the pan for Kodai Senga? No, I, I would, I would venture to guess that this is, you're going to have more of this to come. Now, is he going to be at to the level where he's going to win a Cy Young in the national league? I don't know if I necessarily see that just yet, but if he is a dependable, you know, number two, number three in the Mets rotation, you know, I think he's a winning pitcher. I mean, I, I think he's a guy that can help you get to the playoffs and and help you maybe make the Atlanta Braves sweat a little bit in the National League East. Now he needs a ton of help, but mm-hmm. I think he's a big piece to it. Yeah, and certainly the best thing has been his durability. And I also love his demeanor where he's giving up two runs in six innings and he's saying after the game he's very disappointed in his pitching performance. He needs to do better. And overall, he's been a great. it's been a great year for him. And – He's been an absolute bargain at five years, 90 million the first year into his contract. So great, great job by Billy Epler right there to, to sign him. And, 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 yeah. and you know, the money helps, of course. But the 2024 roster I want to talk about here, the Mets, they traded at the deadline, as you mentioned, for Gilbert, Clifford, the outfielders. They also acquired four shortstops. Well, they have Francisco Lindor for 10 more years. Mauricio is up there. So I don't know where all these guys are going to play. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Do you think Stearns is going to look to trade these guys or wants to hold them to watch them closely for another year? Because I think, like you mentioned, they need starting pitching. And I would say the Mets are probably going to be in on glass now because, they, you know, the Rays are not going to resign on Bieber because the Guardians are not going to resign and they always trade their players. And then you look at Corbin Burns with the Brewers. I think that's another person that the Mets could be tied to. You have all these these prospects of, that are player position players, you don't have any really top end pitchers. So to me, it looks like looking at this off season, I would expect some of these guys, even if they just acquired them at the deadline to be dealt for starting pitching. Yeah. I think you're reading the the, the room, right? I mean, I, I think first off, I, I don't get prospects or prospects. So if you, if I'm an organization, I'm trying to add as much quality talent as I possibly can. And I'll let the competition kind of play out and see who exactly lands where and who ends up being the best. And maybe I end up having an embarrassment of riches where I have, you know, three or four major league caliber shortstops that can all play. Then you know what? Those guys, I'm going to have something to deal from and other teams are going to be calling me. So I don't, I don't necessarily ever go and say, no, no, I don't want to take this guy because I already have two shortstops. Maybe I take a prospect that might have a little bit lesser value, a little less top end because he's an outfielder or whatever it might be. Uh, so that doesn't bother me. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a case where um, if I expect the Mets are going to be aggressive this offseason, and I do, and be aggressive in free agency, and if Otani wants to play on the East Coast, that they're going to be a major player for Shohei Otani and Yamamoto, who we've talked about, then I would have to imagine that you know, Stearns is going to deal from you know that farm system to go and acquire you know other major league caliber talent um, and guys that can help the Mets in 2024. I'm not telling you they're all going to go because I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case. But if there's a deal to be made, um, you know if you can go get you know Juan Soto and it's not because he's only got one year left to control for San Diego, 
uh, before you hit free agency, and it's not going to cost you an arm and a leg like it did San Diego going to get him from Washington, then, yeah, I think some of those guys are going to go. Yeah, I would not hesitate to trade Acuna for our Juan Soto, assuming you think you could re-sign him. And that you know that's like the top prospect, but as you mentioned, they're just prospects. If you're never going to get a known commodity and try to – if you get a Soto, although I think Soto, if he is traded, I'm sure the Yankees will try to empty the tank for him, but who knows what they have there. But the Mets right now, Jet Williams is off a really strong year. He's a shortstop. He's someone I would look to trade – uh, the only guy I really would say let's not trade right now, which I'm worried they might because of his great September here, is Ronnie Mauricio. I think you need to let this guy play out. You got to see what he's able to do next year. I think he should start next year, whether it's at third base or second base or left field. How impressed have you been by Mauricio right now? And do you think that they called him up maybe four months too late? Because that's yeah. I mean, I think they. I mean, they were patient, patient, patient. I think they. I think a couple of things. I mean, the, the patience that they showed you, they'll blame on the defense and they'll tell you that he needed to learn more at AAA Syracuse and they weren't comfortable with it. There had to be something else. Like there, there's something missing from the conversation about why the Mets were so strong in the idea of not calling Ronnie Mauricio up. Were they in fear that he was going to get exposed on the major league level and looked at him more as a AAA and a half ball player? I don't know, but not every internal scout with every major league team has been correct. I mean, I, there are a lot of people within the Mets at the time that never thought Pete Alonso could consistently play first base because he had DH written all over him. You know, Pete Alonso is not I Keith Hernandez Tom at first. Smith was the top prospect. Right. And Pete Alonso is not Keith Hernandez defensively at first base, but he's also not Jason Giambi either, right? So, you know, you can, you can live with Alonso defensively at first base. So some of those scouts are wrong. Um, I don't know what it is. Clearly – they they had a fear of of him and the exposure on the major league level. I think he's shown you enough. I think he should have been called up sooner. I think he became kind of the the main talking point. And you know this, Nick, and you talked about on this podcast. His game became the more uh, talking point because he got tired of seeing Daniel Vogel back getting at bats. And you're like, why are we seeing Vogel back here? Why can't get we get Ronnie Mauricio at bats? What, what would be the harm there? And I think he showed you the bat plays, the the exit velocity plays, the launch angle plays. Uh, he's a good offensive player. You know, I'll take that in today's day and age, and and I'll deal with any kind of defensive issues that might per, the, the perception of those defensive issues that might be there. Sadly, the highlight of the season would have to be when the city field had hockey night and Mauricio at his first home run, and they played the Rangers goal song as he rounded the bases and fireworks were shooting off out of the love alley. that. Tremendous. It's almost hockey season. Can you sense it? Falls in the air this upcoming weekend, the first weekend of autumn. Like, can you yeah. sense it? Hockey is in the air. Looking forward to uh, the stadium series this, yes. uh, this winter. You know, no last doubt. time the Mets played at City Field, pretty good. So they always do good outside. That, that I mean, the Rangers outside. So looking forward to that. And last thing here, we kind of discussed it a little bit before. But that is Pete Alonzo. I've been harping every week on this show. Come on, get this guy an extension. You'd be crazy to, to trade him because you're not going to replace 45 and 110. And that, right, that's, right now, that's what he's on pace for. He's second in home runs, second in RBI. He missed, what, two weeks because he got plunked by Morton. He'd be close to 60 home runs, I think, and he'd be 130 RBI. You, know, you can't replace that power output there. Get the deal done. Now, our friend of the show here, who we've had on before, Pat Ragazzo from Sports Illustrated, he reported recently that 
the Mets, they're there with the money on Alonzo. Alonzo wants more years. And then Billy Epler, he comes out and says, oh, you know, you can't trust the media. I think Billy Epler should have just been like, maybe this is true, but I don't have the power here anymore as of October 1st. So don't ask me because I I can't do anything here. Well, how do you think that scenario played out? Well, I, well, okay. So with the Regazzo report, um, I think he I think he's dead on correct. I think Epler is probably a little CYA covering his own rear end because, as you mentioned, David Stern's going to be taking over October 1st. So when this deal, when this season's over, you're going to have a new president of baseball operations. How does that look now that these negotiations are ongoing? I don't think Regazzo is pulling that out of thin air by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, and I think his reporting is dead on. And the Mets are smart. I mean, what are you going to do, Trey Pete Alonso? I don't care what the Milwaukee Brewers or the Chicago Cubs were offering at the MLB trade deadline. You're talking about the most popular player on the team. And, you know, the, the whole stuff about the, the clubhouse and yeah. everything that goes along with the team stunk this year. They were a terrible baseball team. I'm sure there were a lot of guys on, on that team that didn't necessarily get along because it was tough. It was tough as fa- us fans, us covering the sport, to watch the Mets play in, uh, play uh, play baseball day in and day out. Imagine being on that team and the massive expectations, and then ends up being disappointment. He's the best. He's the face of the team. He's been a great representation on the field and off the field. He's been remarkably productive, as you mentioned, offensively. It'd be next to impossible to replace what he is able to do offensively, middle part of that lineup. And let's be honest, with not a lot of ton of protection around him. It's not like that lineup is loaded top to bottom with one all-star after another, and Alonzo's just taking advantage of seeing quality pitching. Uh, he hits bad pitching as well. Um, yeah, he's going to get signed to a contract extension. And to be honest with you, he should be a Met for the rest of his career. Absolutely, I think. He's on track to be the greatest offensive Met of all time. I think he has really has a shot to potentially hit 500 home runs if he keeps up this pace. And to me, he's been the captain of this team. No doubt. For, for the last year. So I think I would hope they take a page out of the Yankees book. And if they extend him, make him the captain. But I think Francisco Lindor will get a little upset if that happens. Yeah, he might. I mean, and, and you know, I don't, I don't know if they necessarily, and Nick, you know, I don't know if they necessarily need to name him captain. Mm-hmm. Um. He can't go anywhere. No. Like that's I mean, he can't you can't go anywhere. Like if if you're not if you're the Mets and you're not gonna pay Pete Alonzo and you think you're gonna well, the the grass is greener on the other side. Good luck. Let's see exactly what you get back in return. Um, because that team not only has to trade for him, but then they have to sign him. Uh he's been a great Met. He should be here long term. I expect him that he will be. I think that that report yesterday was dead on by Pat, and I think it was a case of that. Billy Epler didn't want that news out there at that time. That's why he so strongly came out and denied that report is because, uh, you know, the, the horse was out of the barn. Yep, he got caught. Good job by Pat. Moose, this has been great. Thank you so much for joining us here. I believe in the Mets. Everybody go check out Moose, of course, on Picks 11 for baseball, football, basketball, hockey, everything there. WFN Sunday mornings before football games and WFN on Saturdays for Rutgers. So the guy is very busy. Moose, anything I'm forgetting here? No, that's it. That's it. That's it. I have to no. I think it, I think in it. I love you, Nick. Thanks for having me on, man. Appreciate it. All the continued success here with uh, the Mets podcast. You know, I'm a huge supporter of yours. And uh, and anytime you need me, love coming on, talk a little baseball.
Appreciate it. All right, that's going to do it here for this episode of Believe in the Mets. Make sure you're following us on all social media and YouTube at Believe in the Mets at B-L-E-A-V-I-N-T-H-E-M-E-T-S. And I'm on Twitter at Nick underscore Durst on Instagram at Nick's Food and Stuff. And until next time, everybody, let's go Mets. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.